You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hello to everyone. I'm Louisa Kasdan, your host for Let's Talk About Food, a podcast devoted to first-person storytelling where food plays a pivotal, if not a starring role. Everyone has a food story. Food is at the heart of human connection, at the center of love, of ritual, of need and want, and most of all, food creates community. And community is what we crave. It began as a way to make friends in a new hometown and ended up becoming their day job. When Darren and Charlene Young moved from Los Angeles to St. Louis, they had no idea that their life would become one continuous Filipino barbecue. Darren had begun to explore barbecue as one would in St. Louis, and Charlene, a Filipina from L.A., nudged him towards Filipino barbecue. Today, their company, The Fattened Calf, does hugely successful pop-ups. Their smoked meats and barbecue sauces are distributed at markets across the Midwest and more to come. I never knew that Filipino barbecue was a thing. So tell me, Darren, let's start with you. Where did this idea come from? Well, um, the idea came from Charlene, uh, since she's the Filipino in our relationship. <laughs> but I'm from Southern California, suburb of Los Angeles. I moved to St. Louis in 2011 to work for the Salvation Army in their youth development department. Historically, I've been involved with youth engagement, nonprofit type work. And when I moved to St. Louis... That's um, as barbecue had, to me. I don't know. <laughs> yes, I had real American barbecue for the first time in my life that wasn't from TGI Fridays or Chili's Baby Back Ribs. Like it was actually authentically smoked on wood, real barbecue, real American style barbecue. Um, and it kind of changed my life. <laughs> like it changed my world. Um, I began to obsess over barbecue, any type of smoked meat I could get my hands on. I was a foodie at this time, still am a foodie, love food. I was spending so much money on trying to eat good food, good barbecue, that one day I just said, you know what? I'm going to try and do this for myself. Uh, so I bought a smoker. I, I bought a small Weber charcoal grill and uh, signed up for uh, YouTube University <laughs> and started teaching myself the craft and the art of barbecue. At the time, Charlene and I were just friends, but we began to date. This is actually maybe two or three years into like my, my barbecue journey, my American barbecue <laughs> journey of learning and just falling in love with this craft. She introduced me to this concept of Filipino barbecue. And I just remember thinking, wait, what? Like there's other styles of barbecue that's like not American. Like what is Filipino barbecue? And she's just like, you got to have it. You got to have it. And I think maybe a year or two years later, we went to the Philippines together Right before we got married, actually, uh, we went to the Philippines together and I had Filipino barbecue for the first time. <laughs> and once again, it changed my life. 
Filipino barbecue is different from American barbecue. When we say American barbecue, really what people are talking about is low and slow smoked meat that's cooked not directly over a fire. It's offset. You are cooking it for a very long time. Beef is going to be a eight to 16 hour cooking experience. Chicken, maybe a little bit less, but it's going to take a lot of time. And Filipino barbecue, when anyone says Filipino barbecue, uh, what they actually mean is char-grilled meat, hot and fast cooking, meat that is marinated in spices, Filipino-style spices, and cooked hot and fast over charcoal or wood. And it's oftentimes found in the streets of the Philippines in Manila. Uh, so street food, a lot of meat that's on a stick or skewered and a lot of appetizer style dishes, but it's very, very, very delicious. In a sense, that's how the fattened calf <laughs> was started in that moment. <laughs> well, now I, I see a couple of things. First of all, the, uh, the age old argument between true barbecue people and people who talk about grilling. So I understand that. So you steeped yourself in the barbecue tradition and then came to the grilling tradition in the Philippines. I just want to say to our listeners, we have a surprise guest in addition to Darren and Charlene. We have their seventh-month-old son who makes a little bit of an appearance here and there that you'll hear. Charlene, so is this your origin story about how the fattened calf came about too, or is this just Darren's version? I think definitely this is Darren's perspective. When I moved to St. Louis, I moved here from Australia. I went to grad school for international relations in Australia. I'm born and raised in Los Angeles, but I was in Australia for grad school. And I was living there for close to three years. And when Darren and I were dating, he just said, come to St. Louis. <laughs> and I was like, sure, why not? <laughs> and then moved to St. Louis, knew I loved it. But there wasn't a lot of Filipinos or Filipino Americans. And coming from Los Angeles and even Australia, where there's a large population of Asians, it felt really different. I mean, St. Louis was very Midwest in a sense that, like, you know your neighbor. There's such a small community. There's block parties. You go to, like, the neighborhood association stuff. So it can feel really tight-knit and very small, like a small group of people that you really come to know very well. But at the same time, it felt so lonely because I felt often that I was the only Filipino or Filipino-American in the room. There were Filipinos, right? But it often felt like I was the only Filipino-American within the 10-mile radius. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I'm sure if you have any Filipino listeners, they'll know that like jokes just sound better in our native language in Tagalog, or there's certain cultural aspects that when we look at each other, we just kind of understand. I, and I didn't have that with anyone here. So the best way for me to share my identity and my upbringing as a Filipino American was through Filipino food. And when Darren shared that he was learning how to grill and barbecue, I was like, we should try Filipino barbecue. It is grilling, but it's also a bit saucy. So it has its own specific technique because it needs to be like really hot fire. You need to have better control of the heat of your coal. Otherwise you could just burn it so easily or you undercook it really quickly. When he was learning how to barbecue, he would just buy a bunch of meat and started doing Filipino barbecue. And we had so much food that we would just invite people over for game nights. <laughs> we would do these feasts like 
I'm talking banana leaves on our island, kitchen island, um, with just piles of meat and rice and Filipino pickled salads. And people would come with plates, Tupperwares or whatever, and just eat with their hands or whatever they can get their hands on. And then we'd play a game of mafia at the end of the night. And then people were always sent back home with more food because there was just so much food. But also that's very typical Filipino. Like you you come hungry, you leave very full, and we send you home with more food. So it was a great way for me to introduce the Filipino food culture um, with people that I was learning and, and getting to know. And and did that do it to you? Did you did you feel a little bit transported back to Filipino town in, in Los Angeles? Tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, there was a large number of people that would come over. I mean, we, our house is fairly small. It's our first home since we got married, but we would pack like 30, 40 people in our living room. And it felt like Filipino parties where there's just a bunch of family members. Everyone seems to be related to you, but you don't know how. And there's just, everyone's gathered around food. And it's an all night affair. You have your first dinner, you have your second dinner, and you have your third dinner at home because we sent you home with a bunch of food. Um, So that's essentially what it felt like. And the really cool thing was that our friends would start telling their friends about it. And then their friends started telling their other friends about it. And later on, we were cooking people's children's birthday parties or baptisms or my great uncle's postman's like birthday. Um, And we didn't even know who these people were, but all we'd ask them to do was just buy the meat and we'll cook for you because Darren was still learning. Later on, we figured out like, wait a second, like we're a year into this. Everyone's asking us to cook for them now. We're paying for their charcoal and the spices and we're taking time off work to cook them food. Maybe we have something here. And so essentially that's when the fattened calf started. And calf is just C-A-F, short for cafe. We serve a fattier, heftier version of cafe food because you're getting rice, two pickled salads, and a good heaping um, serving of meat. Do you have an actual restaurant or are you a catering company? We are a pop-up restaurant. So we pop up at Earthbound Beer um, in South City, St. Louis, inside a brewery. We're the residential food spot in there. And we're there about three to four times a month. Um, We're scaling up soon to be like 12 times a month, like three times a week will be there. Um, and we just serve Filipino barbecue. Huh. Were you the kind of person who was always going to assert your culture? Or did this surprise you? I think I've always asserted my culture in some way or form. Um, because even though I was born and raised in Los Angeles, I grew up Filipino for the most part. Well, that's like a weird, it, there's a tension in that, right? Like, I don't know if you, you've interviewed of children of immigrants. I live in the tension of being to Filipino when I'm in the U.S. because, of course, like I grew up Filipino. We ate Filipino food. Um, I was raised by a Filipino mom. And so everything that comes with that is is who I am. But when I go to the Philippines, I'm also too American to be Filipino. I'm very outspoken. I share too much or too little, whatever it is. I'm just very much also culturally American. So in spaces where there's opportunity for me to share more about being Filipino, I do. It just naturally comes out, whether it's we're talking about Filipino food or the way my Filipino mom raised me, um, it just naturally comes out. Hmm. 
often these things come out through food. It's it's just fascinating to me how food becomes a through line for people to their culture. I know that uh, Darren isn't from the Philippines and doesn't have a Filipino <laughs> mom and all of that. Do your Filipino family members think that the flavors are spot on or what do they think? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of our family members have been taste testers for us. Um, and if it doesn't pass the authenticity test, it's not Filipino enough. <laughs> and Filipinos can be really judgy about our food, right? Because like we grew up eating it. So we know, you know, grandma's adobo might be the best adobo out there. And unless that adobo tastes like grandma's, it's not Filipino enough. We judge it. We judge our food a lot. We are our worst critic when it comes to that. But but Darren's also been to the Philippines four times now. And a lot of people have said he's more Filipino than me at this point. Because when Darren wakes up in the morning, what he wants is rice, eggs, and Filipino sausages called longanisa. <laughs> and there was a time when we went to the Philippines, he ate that every single morning. <laughs> rice and eggs and longanisa and and it paid off now he knows how to make longanisa really well he gets the flavors right he knows what filipino food tastes like and he knows what good filipino food tastes like i'm really fortunate that he's um honed in that honed in that identity <laughs> When we come back, we'll learn about the holy trinity of flavors that transforms barbecue into Filipino barbecue. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. And we are back with Darren and Charlene of the Fattened Calf. So what, what are the flavors in Filipino food? What's the market basket? Yeah, so garlicky. I call it the holy trinity of Filipino food. <laughs> you need garlic, soy sauce, and vinegar. And you can basically make any meat taste Filipino enough with a varying ratio of those three. For longanisa, though, which is Darren's specialty. I don't know, Darren, if you want to share, I can take it. Yeah, tell me how to make you. longanisa. Yeah. Um, tell us how you do this, Dan. Tell us your longanisa story. <laughs> I understand that you put it in your face every single morning. <laughs> yeah, man, longanisa. I have a 
long history <laughs> with longanisa. It's definitely one of my favorite meals, and we've spent many, many, many hours working on our longanisa recipe and cranking out thousands of pounds worth of sausage, sometimes up to midnight uh, at Earthbound Beer. Thankfully, we now have a co-packer producing our recipe, but I remember those days. Longanisa is a Filipino-style sausage. There's a large variety. My favorite Filipino style is the sweet and savory version. It's called hamanado sausage or hamanado longanisa. So it's a little bit sweet, a little bit garlicky, and a little bit salty as well. It also traditionally comes with this red hue, red color to it. In the Philippines, sometimes they use uh, red food coloring um, or beet powder. In our product, we use beet powder to give it that kind of traditional look. And it's a it's a pork-based sausage? Mostly pork-based, but you can also find a chicken version. There's not a lot of beef just because there's not a lot of cows in the Philippines. But if you look around close enough, you know, you might get lucky and find a beef version. But my favorite is either the chicken or the pork. Hmm. So So yeah. so there you are and you are not a Filipino. You appear for me to be someone from a different ethnicity, an American ethnicity, making uh, Filipino food. What's yeah. that like? I mean, you're sort of like the space alien in the Filipino culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you come to it with your own food traditions? I mean, I know barbecue was new to you, but... You know, food has been new to me in the last 10 years of my life, for sure. But I've always loved food. When I think back, I do remember just watching my grandma cook and my parents never cooked. Uh, they, they were not good cooks. I remember like TV dinners. Um, I remember, you know, quick meals. Uh, but I remember my grandma knew how to cook. She loved to cook and I would always love to watch her. Uh, but I've never really got a chance to like explore that side of myself until later years of college you know, when I moved to St. Louis, finally having the opportunity to kind of dig deep. So, you know, maybe it was deeply rooted uh, in me from a young age, but most of this has happened in my last 10 years of life. Is it powerful to you to be in the food world now? I mean... Yeah, it is. From where we come from, I think, you know, neither Charlene or I had any experience in the food industry. Well, um, I worked at Cold Stone when I was 16 years old, so <laughs> making ice cream. So Charlene worked at Cold Stone when she was 16. Uh, I guess that's enough experience in the industry to help get us where we are now. When we were, st we were doing pop-ups and we realized this was going to become serious. We did one semester of culinary school before we had our first child. And we were just doing once a month pop-ups, but we were selling out of 300 plates within two to three hours. It was, it was just incredible. And at that moment, we knew we had something special. We knew it. We just knew it. And in St. Louis, there was not a lot of other Filipino food options, but there is a small and growing Filipino population. I mean, St. Louis is also a foodie city, a food town. So people were into it. They, they wanted to um, explore different flavors. And once again, our unique spin is focused on the barbecue concept, which matches really, really well with St. Louis. Hmm. Um, and I think that's also what makes us unique. Well, St. Louis barbecue is something even I know about. <laughs> but has it become your day job? 
This has become our day job. I still do some contract work in youth development, but this has become Charlene's full-time job and then my part-time job, but sometimes it feels like a full-time job as well as we continue to try and climb and grow the fattened calf. What we have pivoted towards is becoming more of a consumer goods package company. We want to scale the fattened calf that way, although we are still focused on pop-ups, as Charlene shared, we'll be moving from once a week to about three nights a week, doing a Thursday to Saturday dinner service. But what we also want to focus on is not just being tethered to St. Louis and trying to put our products out first regionally and even nationally. We got this idea when the pandemic happened because all local restaurants shut down and we had no way to make money or make sales. You got to pay rent. You got to eat. So we started selling ready to eat packaged meals out of Earthbound's to go window. We also started packaging our sausage in uh, vacuum sealed packages, selling them by the pound. It was such a hit that a local grocery store reached out to us and said, we'll give you a shelf. Do you want to put your items here and we'll see what happens? So we did that and uh, we started in, in one store and then we grew to three, then six, <laughs> then nine. We applied for a, a business grant. We got a $50,000 business grant and they helped us create a business plan that was focused on consumer packaged goods. And from there, we launched our product into 67 grocery stores throughout St. Louis, Missouri, and Illinois. In the last six months, we've also expanded to sauces and shipping those nationwide as well. Right now, if somebody wanted to buy, they could buy your sauces. Can they buy your yes. sausages? They can buy your sausages locally. They can buy our sausages locally. Yes, in the Midwest, in the St. Louis metro area, uh, Southern Illinois area, they can buy our sausages. They can buy our sauces nationwide. The Longanisa, um, we do not ship that yet. Huh. Um, but hopefully soon, hopefully we, we will uh, start shipping that very soon. So, so we're still working on a few more things. If our listeners and me want to uh, experiment with Filipino grilling, Filipino barbecue, we could go to your website at the Fat and Calf and order the sauces and then yes. do a little marinating, do a little grilling, do yeah. a little dipping. Yeah, do a little marinating, do a little grilling. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we got vinegar exactly. dipping sauce. We got Filipino-style barbecue sauce. We got marinades. Uh, we even got uh, Filipino-style pickles in the pipeline, <laughs> and you can buy it directly from us, pickled papaya. So you're a couple with small children and a new business, and yeah. What's it like? How do you make all this work? Oh, man, we just do. <laughs> we don't have family in St. Louis. Everyone is still in Los Angeles, so that makes it a little bit harder. Yeah, it's, it's hard. We make it work. We really enjoy it. It's a passion project of ours that's turned into this business. And so we don't see ourselves stopping anytime soon. Our kids are with us most of the time. So when we were making these sausages at the commercial kitchen, our daughter Malaya, she'd be in her stroller playing with something and we're there till like one and she's falling asleep. She's, but she's in the kitchen with us. Now with our son Akai, um, sometimes at a pop-up, he's with us because we only have a sitter for Malaya. They're growing up in the kitchen. <laughs> 
sometimes that mom guilt is there, right? And like, I could be doing so much more. I want to do so much more with my kids. And so we also have to be intentional with, okay, work is done. We're at home now. It's time for us to do stuff with the kids or as a family. Right now, we've reserved Sundays as our family days where we just hang out together. We take the kids to museum or the park or we just have a meal together all day. We hope that what we're building is a legacy for our children. And that's just kind of what the driving factor is, just a little bit more. We're just doing this just a little bit more. And then when we've made enough, um, when we can take a step back um, and have other people run it for now while we're with our family, we do that. We also take long vacations. We were just in the Philippines for a whole month. But it does take stopping the business right now to do those things. Mm. And and it's something that we're, we're okay with. We're still small enough that we can say like, okay, we're, we're going to stop for a little bit and just have some family time. But we know that eventually it'll get to a point where we can't stop it. Our hope is that we are well-equipped, we're sustainable, and we are staffed enough to be able to do those things still. Fascinating. <laughs> well, I can I, I com- completely understand about mom guilt. Get rid of that. Everybody everybody has mom guilt, whether they work or they yeah. don't work. <laughs> this is true. It, it this is, is true. It is not a game you win at. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I wish you all the best. I can't wait to try the sauces and sort of delve into other things other than barbecue. What else is Filipino that, that we should think about? What's the... Uh, Ooh, stews. The stews. So... Adobo is, I guess, the national dish, and everyone is able to access chicken or pork belly adobo wherever you are at this point. It's really hard to find people who will not like chicken adobo or pork adobo. And our adobo is different. We use the soy, vinegar, and garlic. It's braised meat. We also have the peanut butter stew, similar to a stew that they have in Ghana, and we use peanut butter in it. And it's so delicious. So Filipino food is just like a melting pot of all these other cuisines because Manila was like the very first port that ever opened. And so all these spices and all these foods just congregated there. And it being so central in Asia, there's so many different influences. You can find curries as well. There's similarities to Indian food to some of our curries and Thai with our curries. And then you can have your soups, like tamarind soup, which is also, I think, they have something similar in Vietnam. And then you can find your lumpia, your egg rolls, which is similar to something in China. So there's a lot of different dishes found in the Philippines, but the flavors make it so different. But there's very good similarities to these dishes all over the world. Suddenly incredibly interested. Thank you so much. This is just great. Just great. (laughs) Thanks for Uh, having us. We really enjoyed it. I'm excited. And I wish you the best. And I wish you every success that you get big enough and have enough staff so you can feel like you do have it all. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm going to try it tonight. I'll let you know. Awesome. It's good for three pounds of meat. So every jar is good for three pounds of meat that marinade. And it's better if you marinate it overnight and then cook it after, like it's been able to sit in the fridge. Okay, I'll do it tomorrow. But it's okay if you. (laughs) 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 It's okay if you don't let it marinate. It's still really, really good. Thanks, Charlene, and thank you to Darren as well. I know you've won a million different awards, but we're we're happy and proud to have you on our show. Thank you. Thank you, Louisa. Thanks for listening. Let's Talk About Food is produced by The Food Voice. I'm producing, along with audio director and composer Mike Moss, of Soundscape Boston. 
You can find more of our stories at our website, letstalkaboutfood.com, and on Heritage Radio or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's Talk About Food is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.